Good evening. Please turn your Bibles to James chapter 1, and we're going to start at James chapter 1 and verse 13 this evening. Charles Swindoll said, The greatest waste of our natural resources is the number of people who never reach their potential. I think that Swindoll has a good grasp on a serious problem in our churches. A serious problems in our li- a serious problem in our lives, because in Christ you and I have a great potential, great potential for great spiritual success. He did not take us from dead uh, death to life for no reason. We have great potential, but as you and I consider the level of knowledge, purity, righteousness, service, dedication, and leadership. Uh, in your life and in this congregation's uh, atmosphere, would you say that we had really reached our true potential? Oftentimes, churches and Christians can be described as mediocre. The level of knowledge is oftentimes mediocre. It's not non-existent. It's not horrible. But oftentimes it can be mediocre. Oftentimes the level of service can be mediocre. The purity, the leadership can be mediocre. Imagine if Christ were to come back today. Would, he, would we want him to describe us as mediocre in our level of dedication? Mediocre in our spiritual service to him? Would, he want, would we want him to say that we were lukewarm? I think not at all. That would be a shaming for Christ to come back and to find me in that situation. I would be embarrassed. And so how can you and I, knowing this problem and knowing the potential problem, how can we soar above mediocre Christianity and excel in our service to God? To do this, we've got to identify the problem. And that's where we're going to start with tonight. Tonight, we're going to start with where is this problem? Where is this problem of sin and mediocrity in our life? Where are we being held down? Where, why are we not soaring above this mediocre level of Christianity? What's the root problem? And we're going to notice first James chapter 1 and verses 13 through 15. And notice how James tells us where the root of this problem is. He says, let no one be te- no, no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So sin is discouraging. It holds us back. It holds us in mediocrity. And James says, notice again, verse 14, where does that start? It starts in our minds. It starts with desires. We have minds that have evil desires within them that are battling. There's this spiritual battle that is going on inside of our minds for control. And though we may know the right way to go, if we are stuck in mediocrity, the source of the problem is our desires. We have desires within our minds and, and that are winning. Desires of the flesh are winning over our desire to please God and to do what is right. And so the battle of our desires is winning. 
the desires are winning. And I think this is significant to consider because too often we can be drawn into thinking that the problem, if I am stuck in mediocrity, if I am stuck in sin, then so often what I hear people say and even think in my own mind is the problem's outside of me. It's not my own problem. Someone else or some other entity is to blame. And notice how in verse 13, James addresses that. He says, God's not the problem. He brings out one place where people often place the blame. God's not the problem. He's not tempted with evil and he doesn't tempt with evil. He's not the source of the problem. In the same way, we could really say that nothing outside of us can be blamed, really. We cannot blame mediocrity and trouble, uh, our trouble with sin on family or friends or life circumstances, our job, the economy, or any other thing outside of us. We can't blame it on anything, really, can we? Because in the end, God has placed us where we are, and if we blame it on anybody else, it goes right back to Him. The source of our problem with mediocrity and lukewarmness is our desires. We sin because something inside of us tells us to do so. Just consider fish for a moment. Why are we able to hook a fish? Well, it's because they like the bait. They like worms or whatever bait you like to use. And they have a craving for that. That's what they have a desire for. And though there is a great fear of losing their life, sometimes the desire for food outweighs that. If we put broccoli on the hook, they wouldn't go for it. They only go for the worm because they like it. And in the same way, you and I can only say that we are sinning and held in mediocrity because something inside of our minds likes it. Though there is a hook in sin, the desire is outweighing the fear. And so if we struggle with uh, materialism, for example then that means that the problem's not outside of us. We cannot blame, we cannot say that we're struggling with materialism because our wardrobes are insufficient or our houses or cars are insufficient or because we don't have enough money or a good enough job. No, the problem with materialism is we have this desire that is overtaking our hearts, this desire for more stuff. And we are allowing it to distract us from God. Uh, the problem with behind lust is not that someone is dressing immodestly. The problem behind lust is not our spouses. The problem behind lust is not uh, loose television or, or the internet. None of those are the problems. The problem behind lust it is a desire behind, is a desire for someone else who is not our spouse. Nobody else, nothing else can be blamed. If we struggle with outbursts of anger, the problem is not anybody else. It's not the bad day at work. It's not the bad job. It's not the people in our life that are aggravating us. No, the problem is a problem of pride or a lack of mercy towards someone who does not act as we desire for them to act. And we do not control our desires. The desires in our minds are winning the battle. If you and I are stuck in mediocrity, that is the problem. We've got a problem in our minds. We have bad desires. We could even say that that's the problem uh, towards the positive. Uh, The reason I'm not, if if I'm not committed wholeheartedly to service, committed wholeheartedly to God and reading my Bible and there's great spiritual success and leadership, 
The reason I'm not doing those things is not because of my circumstances. It's because I desire things other than spiritual leadership, service, and other things. The problem is our desires. And I think Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 18 through 19 really puts a good summary on the problem. If you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles there, we're going to look at a couple passages over there. Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 18 through 19 gives a great summary of what is happening inside of our minds when we follow these desires. Notice what he says there. He says... They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And so simply put, the reason you and I struggle soaring spiritually is because... Our minds have become darkened in our understanding because we have followed desires of the flesh. That's why we may be where we are at right now. You might look at your life and say, it's a mess. I'm, or you might just say, well, I'm just stagnant. It's because something's happened in your minds. We are unaffected when we sin. We are unaffected when we follow our desires. Something terrible is happening inside of our brains. These desires are keeping us unclean. They're discouraging us. And they're distracting us from a passion for God and for service towards Christ and others. And if you just notice Ephesians chapter 6, just turn over a page to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. I think we can see where this problem expands, where we see there's not only desires inside of our minds as we try to get to the root of this problem of spiritual mediocrity. There's also a problem in our in it with our enemy. Notice chapter 6 and verse 12 of Ephesians. He says there, Paul says there, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And then also notice on the screen, 1 Peter verse uh, chapter 5 and verse 8. Uh, it says there, Peter says there, Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So while you and I have the the root problem behind our sin and mediocrity is within our minds, is a desire in our minds that has overtaken us and controlled us, there's a second problem. We have spiritual foes of darkness that know those weaknesses that know those desires and are actively seeking to bring us down actively seeking. And I like how he describes, I don't like it, but it's a very apt picture of how he describes the devil in first Peter five. There he's prowling around seeking someone to devour. He's actively trying to bring us down by tempting us to follow those desires, to act upon those desires. And so this is then where those problems that we spoke of meet the desires that we have spoke of. With materialism, yes, we've said the main problem is in our hearts. The main problem is this desire for more stuff that's overwhelming our life. 
But Satan gives opportunity to those desires. Uh, It might be through shopping malls. It might be through sales. It might be through uh, just the pursuit of keeping up with the neighbors. He gives us opportunity to act on a materialistic nature. Uh, The problem with lust is inside of our hearts, this desire that's overtaking us. But Satan gives opportunities through those desires, through uh, immodest dress, through TVs, through computers. He gives opportunity to those desires. If we have, if we struggle with uh, with uh, outbursts of anger, if we've got uh, selfishness and pride in our hearts, Satan is actively seeking to bring us down in that selfishness and pride. And so, someone comes our way, and they don't meet our expectations, or they we have a frustrating day at work. Opportunity again to act on that desire, act on those. Act on what is going on in our minds, and then we lash out at someone in anger. And so overall, Satan is actively seeking to bring us down. And as we think about this and think about the course of history and what he's done to the world, think back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the beauty that was there. Why is that not there anymore? Why don't we have that anymore? Because Satan is good at what he does. He is good and we ought not be deceived as Eve was, you know, because Eve was the first victim there. She was perfect in the image of God. And just by undermining God's authority by a few simple words, he was able to deceive her and create desire in her heart, show her a piece of fruit. And it was done. He made it seem like a crime to not follow the desire of her eyes, the desire of her flesh, the pride of life. It just seems so wrong. How could she miss this opportunity to follow these desires that had come up in her heart? What more could she want? But this blindness brought her and others terrible consequences. In the same way, you and I, as as Paul exhorts in First in Second Corinthians chapter two and verse eleven. You and I must not be ignorant of Satan's schemes. He always undermines God's authority. He always makes sin look tempting. He always makes it look fun and desirable and like it would just be wrong to not participate in it because we're missing out on something, right? That's the way he makes it look. It's just the solution to our problems. But it's not. It's the cause of our problems. It's the very thing. Following these desires, following what Satan is tempting us to do is the very thing that is holding us in mediocrity. It's the very thing that's holding our minds back, holding us back from our true potential for service and leadership and growth and knowledge in Christ. It's being distracted by these desires. When we act upon it, it causes us to sin. It makes us impure. It distracts us. It discourages us. It makes us feel as if reaching our potential in Christ is absolutely impossible. Each time we fail, each time we go back to sin and follow our desires. With this 
as such a great problem holding us with sin, holding us in such mediocrity, holding us in partial service, holding us in mediocre leadership, holding us in mediocre, mediocre knowledge. We've got to overcome this. But how? How can we overcome the problem of spiritual mediocrity that's starting in our minds? Well, since it starts in our minds, that means we've got to bring all out war to our minds. So I want to ask you for a moment to consider what sin is afflicting your life. What one or two sins? Don't discourage yourself by making a laundry list. Just think of one or two sins. What one or two sins are holding you back right now? Then don't just think of the sin and the action, but what's the desire behind that? What one or two desires are holding you back right now, are keeping you at a mediocre level, are holding you back, keeping you unclean and away from God? What one or two desires? Is it a desire for more stuff? Is it sexual lust? Is it pride? Is it a craving for more comforts in this world? Is it a craving for more money? What is it for you? I believe that Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 is provides a good answer for these desires. As you consider these desires, and how can we overcome these desires? Let's look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. And notice what Paul says to us there. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So I want to bring out two things from this passage that will help us overcome spiritual mediocrity. And the first thing Paul tells us is do not be conformed to this world. And I think we can learn from that. What I want to especially draw from that is we need to filter the world's influence on our minds. So Paul tells us to not be conformed to this world. And he's telling us there, when he tells us to not be conformed to the world, I think it's interesting to think about. He's saying when he says that, that the desires that we struggle with, the things we struggle with in this world and dragging us down into mediocrity, Though they are in our minds, though it's desires in our minds, oftentimes these desires are learned from the world around us. They're desire, they're learned from the people around us, just from the culture around us oftentimes. And so Paul says there, you can't be conformed to that. Don't conform to that. Don't listen to that. Don't follow their lifestyle. And so I want to ask you for a moment, as you consider those desires that you've got in your mind, what influences around you are reinforcing those desires? What influences around you are bringing those desires back up in your mind, sparking your desires, tempting your desires more? What influences are doing that? It, it, you know for you what tempts you, what brings you down. It could be uh, your choice of entertainment. It could be people around you. It could be the things that you've chosen to read. It could be anything. It could be the atmosphere, where you're living, where you are. What is it? What influences around you are dragging you down? And so first, if we've got relationships that are reinforcing these desires then I believe that we need to approach these relationships. Understanding Paul's exhortation here to not be conformed, we've got to approach these relationships that are influencing us from a different perspective. 
they're influencing us, but what do we learn in Matthew chapter 5? We're light, they're darkness. Light is supposed to overcome darkness, but right now in our life, if we're saying that certain relationships are influencing us and bringing us down, then we're saying that darkness is overcoming what is supposed to be light. And so that calls for us to have a transformation in the way we think about things. We need to be the ones influencing them, Christians. We need to be the ones who are strong and firmly planted. But since they're bringing us down right now, I want to exhort you. You may need to get yourself out of some of those relationships. You may need to get yourself out of those influences for a time. But is that a permanent solution? It's not. Because we're always going to come across various people that drag us down. The ultimate solution, the ultimate solution is to overcome darkness with light. The ultimate solution is to have greater alertness when we're interacting with these people. Certainly, if it's too much for you, you've got to get out of certain situations and relationships. But we can't leave the world, can we? And we're not supposed to leave the world. We would be condemned if we did leave the world. We would miss our purpose of being light. And so as we seek to overcome mediocrity that's starting in our minds, we've got to be aware of the relationships that could be dragging us down and instigate change in those relationships and realize that if they aren't Christians... Think about them from the right perspective. If they aren't Christians, they do have senseless desires in their life, in their hearts. And they are following sensuous minds that have a love for money, a love for other things. And so when you talk to them, be aware of that. Be aware. We've got to be aware of, okay, they've got these desires and that's probably why they're acting this way, talking this way. And don't be dragged down into that. Don't follow the desires. Don't be conformed. Recognize the emptiness of their lifestyle and help them out with it instead of being dragged down by it. We must also not be ignorant of the of how the media around us, the, the media we subject ourselves to can affect us. The things we watch, the things we listen to, and the things we read. I want to submit that they can have an even greater danger than the people around us. And I say that because aren't those one-way influencers? We always say, well, bad companions can corrupt good morals. It's interesting. The things we watch, read, or listen to aren't, are, are the worst kind of companion because we can't influence them. We can't bring light to darkness in the things we watch, read, or listen to, can we? They are one in a one way way uh, method. They are influencing us. They are telling us what to think. They are telling us what to feel. They are showing us what they want. We can't bring change to them. There's a great, great, great danger there that can influence the way you and I think. It is going directly from their lips into our minds. And if that's the case, if you see that that's an influence in your life, I want to urge you to cut those things off. Cut that media off. Turn off that computer. Change the channel or turn it off. Stop reading what might be 
influencing you in the wrong direction. Stop listening to what is hurting your mind. Just like the Word of God is just not pages on a book, nothing we read or listen to is just words. It influences us. It affects us. We've got to be so careful. Ultimately, we can't cut off all influences, though. Because, again, we're called to be in the world, but not of it. And so, second, I would say, filter these influences. Filter these influences with your mind. Whether it's people or whether it's choices of entertainment, we've got to not, we've got to also learn to filter with our minds what people say and what we see and say, as soon as we see something, no, that's wrong, that's not right. Don't allow allow that to change your mind. Because ultimately, what's the only way Satan can bring us down? The only way he can bring you and I down is through our minds. Protect your mind. Protect it so that your life does not become conformed to this world. The second thing that we see in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 is that Paul tells us to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. And that's where I want to address the the great uh, thing that we can do for our minds is to get scripture in our minds. And so Paul tells us to fight conforming by being transformed. Our minds must be completely renewed. And of course, you and I can admit that the only place where good transformation happens in the mind and life is in the word of God. But here's the problem. When you and I are tempted, how often are we tempted to sin? Are are our desires of the mind tempted when we're actually reading the word? How often does that happen? That doesn't happen too often. That's a pretty rare circumstance for that to happen. Each time we step away from the word, though, is when Satan lures us, when Satan tempts us. We feel so great when we're actually reading it, but the moment we step away, we're tempted. So how can we solve that problem? Well, I want to use Christ as an example for a moment. Consider, how did Christ fight temptation in Matthew chapter 4? He had scripture written on his mind and each time, each of those three times, Satan presented a temptation. He responded with scripture. He responded with the word of God to confront the temptation, to confront the wrong thinking that Satan was trying to plant in his mind. In the same way, I want to exhort you and I to the same thing. We need to start memorizing scripture. And I don't say that at all is to give us some little goal to check off. The, the goal here is not memorization, just being able to recite Scripture. That's not what I say that for. I say that so that we can get Scripture written in our minds. Because if you're tempted, if our battles, if you and I are tempted when we're out in the world not reading our Bibles, how are we supposed to overcome temptation if we don't have Scripture written on our mind? If we don't have Scripture written on our heart? And so I want to urge you to be prepared to fight your battles, to prepare yourself to fight spiritual battles. Get spiritual spiritual weapons get spiritual weapons in your mind let scripture soak into your mind 
so you will be ready when you're tempted. This is something that's already helped me a lot. Uh, it's something that I'm trying to dedicate myself to more, and I can already see how it's been helpful. You might remember this summer back, uh, I think it was in July, we studied Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus said there, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth destroys, uh, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. And whenever I first read that and then taught that, those words just became implanted on my mind. Don't lay up treasures on earth. Don't lay up treasures on earth. And it's been so cool how once that was implanted on my mind, it didn't matter where I was. I could be reading, watching TV, in a conversation with somebody, even shopping. It's just amazing how often that scripture came to me in my mind and just came out bold in my mind just because of the conversation I was having or the circumstance I was in. And the scripture came out in my mind, don't lay up treasures on earth, Scott. Don't do it. Just imagine the amazing impact the word of God could have on all of our minds. If we would continue to do stuff like that, if we would continue, if I would continue to dedicate myself to memorizing scripture. And so I want to urge you just memorize one verse per week. We're already, we've already exhorted one another to reading the Bible daily. And so when you're reading the Bible daily, pick something that interests you. Pick something that stands out to you. Just one verse and go back to it each day. Get it in your mind. Drill it in your mind. Again, not for memorization, but so that the word of God gets in your mind to give you a tool to fight. Temptations. It might be an exhortation that encourages you when you feel weak. It might be a teaching of Christ that combats false thinking in your own life or false teaching by someone else. It might be something that combats temptation. Whatever it is, just memorize one verse per week and allow it Allow it to teach you throughout that week. Allow it to teach you out throughout that month and throughout that year. Let it just soak in your life. This is how you and I can have renewed minds. Renewed minds that are able to do what the rest of Romans 12 two says. Discern what is the will of God. It's good and perfect. Then we will be prepared. Then we will be ready when the tempter comes, when our desires are tempted to fight. No, I cannot lust. I cannot lay up treasures on earth. Be angry and do not sin. Whatever the passage is for you. The spiritual mediocrity plaguing our life starts in our minds. It starts with the desires within us. We must not be fooled into thinking that circumstances are dragging us down. Desires are darkening our understanding and sucking our passion from God and holding us down in lukewarm Christianity. Satan is scheming and seeking to ensnare us in those desires. Do not be ignorant of Satan's schemes. Do not be ignorant of Satan's designs. Do not allow the world to teach you what is right and what is wrong. Do not allow Satan to use the world to follow, to catch you and to get you to follow senseless desires. Exert the effort to change. 
Exert the effort to make 2014 the year that you start rising out of spiritual mediocrity. The year where everything changes. Because people that reach great physical success don't do so by accident. No one gets out of spiritual mediocrity or any kind of mediocrity by just rolling over, by not trying. It only happens by pursuing the goal with great intention. And so allow the word of God to soak into your mind and change your desires towards a desire for the things of the flesh, towards a desire for God. If there's any way we can help you out of the rut you may be in, out of lukewarm, mediocre Christianity, let us know. Talk to us. Allow us to encourage you. Get in Bible studies more often. Get in Bible study with yourself more often, with people around you more often. Connect with us more and tell us. Let's be open about our struggles. Let's be open. We can't stop this conversation. We cannot allow lukewarmness to overcome our lives and our churches. If there's any way we can help you in your walk with Christ, come forward to the front while we stand and sing.